Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. So last week I, I shared a couple quick words with you, and uh, this won't be against my sermon time, but I want to remind you that I really believe that 2022 is a year of transformation. And, and I want to speak that word over you again that whatever God wants to transform in your life, we'll just say, yes, Lord, have your way in me. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place, in this place. Come on and and change me from the inside out. And another word I gave you was don't discount or discredit your ability to minister for the Lord in 2022. Don't say, I don't have it. I'm not there yet. I don't know enough Bible. God wants to use all of his followers. Not just some of his followers. I didn't get a loud amen on that one. So I'm studying for this message, and I came across some amazing history. So let me give you some history. And forgive me if I end up reading some of this. I just want to be concise this morning. But in 82 AD, an emperor by the name of Domitian built this arch right here. This was to his older brother named Titus. Not the same Titus as in the Bible, Paul's. Uh, Titus, different Titus. And this arch was to commemorate the overthrow of Jerusalem. And actually, the siege upon the temple of God, you'll see in this next uh, depiction of the arch, go ahead and show us the next one, you can actually see one of the most clear depictions of the people of Rome going into the temple of God and taking everything they wanted. Notice the menorah in the middle. Uh, Can you see some horns on the side, the horns that were used for worship? So they came in and took all the artifacts that God had prescribed for the people of Israel to build the temple. Now, what Emperor Domitian didn't realize was that the Jewish God of the temple in Israel had moved out of it a few years earlier. Already all around the Roman Empire, there were small bands of people, Jewish and Gentiles, men, women, children, Roman soldiers and slaves and merchants who were following the teachings of a Jewish rabbi from Nazareth named Jesus. And 300 years later, this fledgling Jewish Jewish sect would become the religion of the empire. 300 years after building this monument to the glory of Rome, The tables would completely turn. The religious leaders would have such an impact upon the Roman leaders, not because they were religious, but because they were fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. It's amazing. And if you would have told Domitian 300 years from now, no one's going to worship Rome anymore. They're all going to worship a savior who dies on a cross and who rises again from the dead, he would have said, you're crazy. He would have had you certifiably nuts. But in fact, if you even go to the Roman Colosseum today, we have another slide of that, you will find this is the very spot from where the emperors used to watch the Christians get fed the lions. What do you see in front of it? The cross. Everything had changed. And so as I'm studying for this message, I said, Lord, what was it that these people possessed, this early church had, 
Well, they had this promise, Matthew 16, 18. Jesus said, I will build my congregation. The International Standard Version says, I I will build my congregation and the powers of hell will not conquer it. Good news? And the King James Bible says this, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Is there something that can change the city of Lompoc, something that can change the county of Santa Barbara, something that can change California? And Lord knows we need change. Yeah. How about something that could change our world? It's the church. That's better together. That's built on Jesus, not, not, not built on religion, not, not build, built on a personality or a person, but built on purpose, living out its mission. We are called to not only believe, you know takers can write it down, but belong. We're called to belong. And if you really study what baptism is when we baptize people in water, they're being baptized into the body of Christ. It's not just an outward sign of salvation. And we tell people that are being baptized, it, it doesn't signify membership in the LFC church, but it signifies membership into the big C church, that you are now a part of the body of Christ. And I was fascinated to find out how this small group of followers turned the Roman world upside down. We're called to receive the love of God and to share the love with others. They were known for their love. Oh, how they love one another. So speaking of love, I found a video three weeks ago that's really good news. It's called Good News. It was on a news uh, report. And I'm just fascinated by this young lady. So I'd like you to take a look at this video. And her name is Miss Cora. Take a look. Here's something good. A Collinsville woman has spent her entire 95 years of life giving to others. She was a Rosie the Riveter in World War II, then taught kids for five decades, and she's still going strong. Very strong. News on 6's Kristen Weaver shows us how Miss Cora now works every week to help feed people right in her community. I set up 30 sacks here and 30 sacks here. That's 60 sacks. This is where you'll find Cora McAdoo most days, sorting inside the food room for the Collinsville Church of Christ to give out bags every other Wednesday. And this month had three Wednesdays, so we really had to work. Everyone calls her Miss Cora. She's 95 years old and has lived every single day to the fullest. And I still drive my car, go to church. Miss Cora grew up on a farm in southeast Oklahoma. She got married at 17 after meeting her husband on a Greyhound bus headed to California. Then she served in World War II as a Rosie the Riveter. I worked for Bethlehem Steel during the war, and we built cargo ships, and I was a certified welder. They sent me to school in San Francisco Bay. She spent the next several decades as a missionary and then working with special needs and handicapped children in several states before settling down at Collinsville schools and didn't retire until her 80s. In my lifetime, I worked 52 years with handicapped children. But Miss Cora never really retired. I just love helping people. 
In the food room downtown, volunteers stock shelves and pass out food. All three? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Volunteers feed about 70 families every other week, thanks to the church and community's donations. We don't turn anybody down. You want eggs and salad? Miss Cora says she has no plans of stopping because she's not done serving. God's not through with me yet. Kristen Weaver, Oklahoma Zone, News on 6. Come on, God's not through with me yet. <laughs> Can you imagine being 95? Come on. And saying God has more for me, he's not through with me yet. Now, why would I show you that? That's the kind of heart, that's the kind of spirit, that's the kind of service, that's the kind of Savior living in and through someone's life that can turn communities upside down. I mean, so much so that the local news came and said, we, have to, we, we need a good story, and here it is right in front of us. Well, I would love for you in 2022 to be a good story, whether you make the media or not in such a way that people's lives are transformed. So I go to the earliest description of the church in the book of Acts. You're going to know this. We go to Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, you'll turn there, a Bible app, however it is that you get the Bible here or online. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 says, they devoted, there's a big word, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, breaking of bread and the prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now watch this. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Does that mean they always agreed on every issue? No. Does that mean their political views were all the same? No. What did they have in common? They had in common a calling to have Christ live in them, the Holy Spirit fill them and live through them and impact the people around them. All the believers were together. And they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with what kind of hearts? Glad and sincere. They loved being together. They had smiles on their faces. They rejoiced all the time. They encouraged each other. They were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There, there are four big realities that we see here. Real simple. You could outline this probably better than me. The Holy Spirit was moving among them. The Holy Spirit was doing a supernatural work that became a natural part of their gatherings all the time. They opened their mouths and God filled them. They prayed and God showed up. They served and God made it count. They created an atmosphere that was welcoming the Holy Spirit. And their lives were worship. Not, not just worship is, is a song. Worship is their life. We present ourselves a living sacrifice to the Lord. And that, Romans 12 says, is our reasonable worship. The Holy Spirit was in them, and they were in the community. They did ministry not just in the church house or in the temple courts, but in the marketplace. The second thing is they were generous service servants meeting needs. They were better together. And what caught the attention of the Roman Empire was, was, was not the early church's doctrine, was not their moral code. It was the way they took care of people. Emperor Julian, the, 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 Julian II, he said that it is scandalous. That was his word. 
that the Galileans care not only for their own poor, but for ours as well. And he couldn't stand the notion that this group of people called the church was more generous and more benevolent and more noble than the Roman Empire. See, the Roman Empire prided itself in government handouts. They loved it because then people were loyal to the government of Rome. But when the church started ministering and being more generous than the government was, guess what happened? The people started following the church. What makes you like this? Well, our Savior died on a cross for us. The least we can do is take care of you. Now, if you've been here any length of time, you heard me say this probably 50 times in, in my ministry here. Years ago, we built a new hospital in the city of Lompoc, and uh, it was done through bond financing which meant it shows up on your tax bill. Alan Hancock, expansion showed up. Listen, I'm going to tell you this. Years ago, we did the math. If every person that attended church in Lompoc, just Lompoc, forget Santa Barbara County, just Lompoc. If every person that attended church in Lompoc actually tithed just 10%, there would have been no bonds. We would have built the hospital body of Christ. We would call it Lompoc Hospital District. Ah, no. Lompoc Christian Hospital. Built and paid for by the believers in this community. You think that would make a mark on people? Yeah. You think when Hauk Stadium was renovated, there's still more to do if all the churches banded together and said, we have such a surplus of money, we don't know what to do with it. What would we do? We'd serve the community. Now, I know some of you just got nervous, both here and online. Honey, he's going to start talking about money now. Now, Well, I don't need to talk about money because the Lord has talked about money so much in Scripture. If you're a student of the Word, you, you have to be a giver. There's no way around. Well, I don't want to be generous. Let the other people be generous. And that's why we have bonds today, right? The fire department needs a new truck, another fire truck. They need a ladder truck. We don't have one right now. It's gone out of service. Wouldn't it be great? The body of Christ. This truck purchased by the churches of Lombo. Wow. Because we want people rescued, literally and, and, and spiritually, right? Okay, I'll move on. I, I know. I, I can always feel it, you know. But could you imagine the Roman Empire said, we are, we, we're, we're, we're upset about this scandal. The church is doing more than we're doing. They praised God, number three, and lived in joy and the favor of all people. Listen, when you put God first, God gives you favor, even with people that are far from God. And we've prayed this over our kids and over our grandkids since the day they were born. God, would you give them favor with all people? Acts chapter 2, they had favor with all people. Now, I need to just, since I was... It's doing so well talking about being generous. The text said that they were all together on this. It wasn't 10% of the people or 20% of the people or 30% of the people giving and serving. Everyone was doing. And by the way, if you ever want to debate with me about tithes and offerings, I can tell you, you can either tithe Malachi 3, 10% Old Testament, or you can do Acts 2 giving. They sold everything they had and gave it to the church. It's cheaper to do the 10%, but I just thought I, you know, 
I want to, I, you know, I'm Jewish. I want to give you a deal there. there, there there's a the deal. It's 10%. And I know people who said, oh, I could never give 10%. Listen, I'll tell you this. 90% of your income blessed by God goes farther than 100% unblessed. That's good preaching right there. <laughs> yeah. So tithe, give, be generous, and ask God prove himself, and he will. So if the Lord added to their community who were being saved, the Lord added people, number four, to their community who were being saved. Why? Because, why? You want to know why? Because God knew he trust, could trust the people to that group of people. He knows where he can bring salvation because the congregation there is going to take care of those people. So where you see people getting saved and giving their lives to Christ is because God knows that those people inside that community are going to take care of the brand new baby converts. And one day the church grew 3,000. Other places it says they grew by 5,000. Wouldn't that be cool if next Sunday 3,000 new converts showed up? Wow, wouldn't that be a cool problem to have? let me give you this. They were desperate in their hearts to give away the same Jesus that had been given to them. So they were devoted. And they were devoted to being, number one, teachable. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles, what? The apostles' teaching in Acts 2.42. Yeah. Now, can I tell you, they didn't have the book of Ephesians then. They didn't have the book of, of 1 John then. When they gathered in Bible studies, what were they gathering to hear? They were gathering to hear the apostles talk about Jesus and what Jesus had shared. Now, today, we have the privilege of reading the account of the book of Acts. We have the privilege of sitting around and talking about Ephesians or, or watching our Right Now Media together. We've got some small groups coming in February, and we will do that very kind of thing, learning together. But here, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and the apostles' teaching and doctrine was simply the words of Jesus, the activities of Jesus. And they loved hearing the greatest commandment of all that we find in Matthew 22. And it's recorded that the apostles would constantly talk about the words of Jesus. And here was one of the greatest things Jesus ever said when the teachers asked him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, and let's read it, can we? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love, love, love your neighbor as yourself. Could you imagine these people gathering together and being told by the apostles, this is what Jesus told us to do? And of course, they also love the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And baptize men and women, boys and girls, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they were devoted to this teaching. And by the way, this teaching could be summarized in two words, two phrases. Love God and love people. I heard that somewhere. They wanted to know all that Christ had said and done, and they were devoted to it. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. Jesus says, somebody smacks you on this cheek, give them the other cheek. Jesus said, if you want to be first, be last. Jesus said, if you want to receive, give. Jesus said, if you give your life away, you'll, 
you'll gain your life. And Jesus even said, what good would it be if you gained the whole world, all the real estate in the world, and lost your soul? So being a follower of Jesus meant to be obedient to every word that proceeded out of his mouth. And they did it together because they were better together. So what will transform your life in 2022? Well, you've got to be devoted. You have to be teachable. And here's a couple of questions I want you to consider. The first question is, what did Jesus say? What did he say? Recently, I gave somebody a Bible, <laughs> a really cool Bible, a study Bible. And I said, by the way, this is a red letter edition Bible. In other words, all the words that Jesus spoke are in red. And I remember as a young teenager, a youth group member, I spent the whole summer reading every red line in my Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, wherever Jesus spoke, I spent the summer reading and rereading and rereading and rereading the red words of Jesus. What did Jesus say? But, but how about this? What am I going to do about it? That's a simple question. But if you want to be transformed, what did Jesus say? Now, what am I going to do about it? And let me give you another one. What is the Holy Spirit revealing to me? When I listen and I hear this whisper, or there's a nudge in my heart, go to your neighbor. By the way, when you feel a nudge or hear a whisper, or you have a concern or compassion for your neighbor, you never have to believe it's the flesh or the devil. Because the flesh and the devil will never tell you to go and be nice to somebody. So when you feel that urge and that nudge, I believe as believers, we can take that to be the Holy Spirit. Yesterday, somebody out of the blue, I haven't thought of this person or seen this person in a long time. And out of the blue, their name came to my mind. And I texted them. Hey, you're on my heart. Don't know what's up. I'm praying for you as I hit send. Lord, bless them. Call them by name. Whatever it is going on in their life, whatever they need, Lord, would you minister to them like only you can do in Jesus' name? And I hit send. And I get back perfect timing. Ooh, that's because I'm so prophetic. No, I was just listening to a nudge. Meant the world to them. So as we conversed, texting back and forth, you know what they said? Wow, I am amazed that God was thinking about me and he told you about it. And I thought to myself, what am I preaching on tomorrow? We're better together. So what is the Holy Spirit revealing to me? And guess what the next question is? What am I going to do about it? If you, if you just, these four little things, put them on the front of your, 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 your mirror or in your, your Bible or in your journal. What did Jesus say? What am I going to do about it? I remember, what, what, what did Jesus do? Everybody, what did Jesus do? What, what would Jesus do? I said, no, no, what are you going to do? We could study what did Jesus do all day long. He loved people. He went to the marginalized. He went to the down and out. People that were nothing like Jesus, like Jesus, and he liked and loved people who were nothing like him. He went to people on the other side of the tracks, the other side of the road, the other side of political party. Come on. What's the Holy Spirit revealing to me? What am I going to do about it? Imagine if all of us did this, would we be better together? They were devoted and committed. 
Now, let me, let me just tell you something I've learned personally. Maybe you've learned this too. If you hear the nudge, or if you read the scripture and the words leap off the page, and if you put that aside or you disallow that from being a part of your life, pretty soon your receptors become dull and cobwebs grow and the lens and filter with which you view life becomes clouded and clogged and pretty soon you don't hear that anymore and you step away from God or he steps away from you. And he looks down and he says, where's somebody who's open to the spirit? There they are. Boo! And he, he, he comes there. Where's a marriage that's open to the spirit? Where's a young person who's training for, for a future that's going to impact other people for Jesus? Where, where, where's a church that's open for business, kingdom business? I'll go there. Now, he likes all the other churches. Don't get me wrong. They sing and they clap. That's us. But people that are stepping outside their comfort zone, outside their walls, so to speak, and ministering to others. So if your receptor has become dull, I'm just going to encourage you, start reading the scriptures. Just do it every day, not because it's a resolution or a new year. Do it every day. Start inviting the Holy Spirit, simple prayer. Holy Spirit, speak to me today. And say that about 15 or 20 times throughout the day. Holy Spirit, I'm here. Here I am, Lord, send me, speak to me. I'll do whatever you say. God says from heaven, yeah, well, the last year you haven't. But Lord, I want to. You know what he'll say? Okay, let's go. He'll put people across your path. And that's another prayer. Lord, put somebody across my path today that desperately needs to know your love and your care and your kindness. That's how you begin to recalibrate your heart connecting it back to what the Holy Spirit's doing and connecting it back to souls in your life. I want to share with you a little thing about evangelism I learned from Rick Warren recently. Some of you have heard of Rick, Purpose Driven Life, Saddleback Church. Rick calls it apologetic evangelism. Not apologetics, apologetic evangelism. He says, find your neighbor that you've never shared your faith with, the one you've lived next to for three, four, five, 20 years, and go to them and apologize. Apologize? Yeah. Hey, Bob, you got a minute? Yeah, I need, I, I, I need to apologize. For what? Oh, no, Bob, it's really bad. There, there, there's something I just, well, I need to apologize to you, Bob. Yeah, what is it? Yeah, no, Bob, it's, are you sure you're ready for this, Bob? I got to apologize. Now, you've got Bob's heart, if Bob's half-hearted even. I need to apologize to you, Bob. I have lived next door to you for five years, 10 years, 20 years, and I've never told you the most important thing in my life. Well, what is it? Well, Bob, I need to apologize. Well, what is it? Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, Bob. All this time we've lived next door. We've been kind. We've taken the trash out together. I've mowed your lawn. You mowed my lawn. We live in the same apartment complex, the same mobile home complex. We live in the, 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 the same, same apartment. Bob, Bob, we work together, Bob, all these years. And I've never voiced to you what the most important thing is in my life. And that's Jesus Christ. And I would ask for your forgiveness. Wow. 
Hey, by the way, you want to try that on this week? Hey, you go try it on, and then you let me know how it goes. You email the office. Let us know. Call me up. Let us know. Tell me next Sunday. Hey, I did it, Pastor B. It really, according to Warren, one of the most effective tools for evangelism, apologetic evangelism. Why? Because our Savior, that is the most important thing in our lives, told us what? Go into all the world. Good morning. I know it's quiet now. Must be the heat or something. They were devoted to fellowship. You got that. Because you can't live out the hundred one another's by yourself. Remember last week I shared Andy Stanley's statement with you? The primary activity of the church was one anothering one another. And then Stanley has a second one that I didn't see till this week. What if we just out, what if we just one anothered one another better? It's kind of hard to say. What if we just one anothered one another better and raise the level? of our one another ship. Hey, this verse is important as we get ready to wrap this up. John 13, 35. I would love for you. Uh, oh, do you have John 13, 35? Okay, good. I'll just read it to you then. By this. Why don't you say it with me? By this. Everyone will know. You are my disciples. If you... Love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you, oh, love one another. Wow. So I guess it begs the question, how well do you love one another? How well do we love people here? How well do we love our neighbors? How well do we love and demonstrate that love as individuals, as married couples, as families, in front of other people that they see the love of God in us. And of course, the last thing, they were devoted to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Every time they had a meal together, they turned in an opportunity to have communion. Every time they had meal, they broke bread together and remembered Jesus. It wasn't just a quick prayer, rub-a-dub-dub, bless this grub. <laughs> here's the potatoes, here's the meat, good God, let's eat, you know. And by the way, I've been to people's homes, that's their prayer. <laughs> it's so great. But they loved to be together. So in 82 AD, the Roman emperor built a monument to the glory of Rome. And 300 years later, Rome would be filled with the worship of the God of the Jewish temple and of Jesus Christ, his son. Just think about that. The empire worshiped what it sought to wipe out. And tons of Roman people came to know Jesus Christ. That's why we have a book called Romans, where Paul writes to the church at Rome. And he says, salvation is by faith. It's a gift of God. He says, we believe in our hearts, Romans 10. We believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead and we're saved. But he didn't just save us to save us. He saved us to save others. Hey, try the apology this week. Could work for you. Try opening your mouth and telling somebody about Jesus. Try inviting someone to church. Could work great. 
And if they're reluctant to come, we've got online. Tell them to come watch online. Watch with them online. Tell them you'll send them a, a meal, have it delivered to their house if they'll want. Can I invite you today, if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I know my teaching this morning was all over the map, but let me bring it down to one sentence. There was a group of people who said, you will worship what we worship. It's called Rome. And then there was a group of people who said, we're not going to tell you to worship what we worship. We're going to demonstrate our worship of Jesus in front of you by how we live by how we love. And the whole empire of Rome, that strong empire, was turned upside down. And today, the Colosseum, when you enter it, there's a cross. When you stand where the emperors stood and watched, there's a cross to remind us that the King of kings and Lord of lords is greater than all empires, and we can follow him. Let's pray together. Lord, you predicted your own death, and resurrection. And Lord, in simple terms, you pulled it off. You died. You rose again. You've made a radical difference in all those who would follow you. And we would just say this, and you could say it in your own way, but Jesus, we give you our lives. We believe in you. In a world right now that's, that's gripping fear again, that's concerned again, that's wondering what is tomorrow. We know that you're the king and kings of Lord of Lords tomorrow. We've not lived tomorrow yet, but you know what tomorrow holds, and we trust you. We're about ready to end, but I, I just felt compelled this morning to ask people that are in any kind of pain physical, emotional, spiritual. If you would just stand to your feet. I'm not going to embarrass you, but you just say, I'm going to stand on my feet. I'm dealing with some pain in my life, pain of my past, pain of tomorrow. My body's in pain. My mind's in pain. There's pain. Some of you have lost friends. I heard yesterday of a young man on a skiing accident, his life was taken just like that. Pain. Lord, while these people stand, we pray your grace upon their lives. That Jesus, you would be their healer today. That you would comfort them in their pain. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment. As we conclude this gathering, we, we invite your presence into this place, into every heart here. And if you're seated near someone, would you pray? You don't need to reach out to them, but would you just pray for them now? Just say, Jesus, we speak your name over their life. Healer, Savior, Provider. And you're the one that heals our broken hearts, that relieves our pain and forgives us of our sin. And now for all of us, Lord, I pray that your spirit would be upon us, that we would ask you, what is it that you would have us to do? And Lord, it's not a program. It, it's, a, it's a pathway to life. 
to follow Jesus Christ, to make a difference in the hearts and lives of people around us. It's what turned the Roman government around, and it can turn our lives around and our community around. We don't want to just be believers. We, we want to belong. We don't want to just be believers. We want to be fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ because that's what's going to make a difference for all eternity. So I pray you will use us. You will guide us. You will heal us. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.